Hey guys, Spacey here. Welcome to Cora's podcast, Filmmaking, actually. Before we jump into this episode, part two of the second Names on the Wall panel at the Nova Film Fest, I want to give a quick heads up regarding the sound quality. We were all recorded remotely, and that comes with some technical hurdles, so we appreciate your understanding on that front. So enjoy. Hi, my name is Cora. Welcome back to my podcast, Filmmaking, actually. If you missed the last episode, I recommend going back to that as this is a part two and it'll be a bit out of context as we're picking up in the middle. For those ready for part two, I present to you the second half of our full cast and crew panel for Names on the Wall at the NovaFest and Capital Film Market. We will finish up the moderated discussion and end with our audience questions. Okay, here it is. Next question. Was it daunting taking on a period war film, and did you have to compromise on anything where you may have been constrained by budgets, time, <laughs> resources, etc.? In many regards, yes. I mean, as someone so kindly pointed out that the uniforms aren't exactly right. Um, we did go to military surplus stores. We did try and get things as authentic as possible. They are very expensive if you want to go 100% authenticity. Mm. There is also a fact that at one point, I mean, this is what we found through our research, so maybe we we're wrong. At one point, the uniforms kind of were whatever you could get. Like, it wasn't the perfect, here's your exact uniform with exact pieces, all perfect. Some things we we did kind of like just fudge a little bit because they were very expensive. We did coordinate on what guns to use. Um, those were prop guns. We did the Viet Cong's uh, wardrobe was, I mean, a lot of them were just farmers that were conscripted and kind of thrown in and they had what they had. And a lot of them sadly were actually wearing flip-flops. Like that's what they were wearing in the jungle, which is heartbreaking. So that was a little bit of a challenge. Then there was stuff like, um, I actually forgot about this. And when I just saw it again in this block, um, there's a point where there's a sound of a chopper going overhead. Like it's kind of like just a sound that goes by a truck was driving by a totally like anachronistic wrong mm. truck. And I think the actor was like noticing it and kind of like, Oh, are they going to cut at, or maybe he was just thinking, I don't, I don't know. I've never asked him why he looked up, but when we were looking at that shot in post, because it fit really well with the cut and I was going over it with my sound guys, I was like, could we just drop a chopper in? Like, could we just make a chopper be flying overhead and just have him like follow the chopper? Because maybe he's like, Oh crap. It's an, cause one of the sort of backstory elements when, sorry, this is a little side note, but when they get out of the pit, the odds of them finding a Vietnamese soldier is higher than them finding an American soldier because he was kind of out so far away from his unit, which is why when he's like, Hey, don't forget about me. He's like, you better not forget about me. Cause he didn't want to be like, hi, I'm yelling in English in the middle of Vietnam. Like he didn't want to come kill me. Like that's kind of the direction we gave him was, you know that if the if his buddies are up there, he, you're dead. But at the same time, a chopper could see them, an American soldier could rescue them. <clears throat> so there was sort of that like tension undercuts. And we just kind of worked with it. Like when there was that random sound that didn't actually fit, we just covered it with a chopper sound. And they got an actual chopper from Vietnam sound and dropped it in. And it followed his eye line and, and it worked. Wow. So um, on the one hand, yeah, hard. On the other hand, we used it 
last tangent that I promise I won't make long answers again. Uh, there's a scene in one of the Apollo, I think it's Apollo 13, the movie where the NASA crew have to fix something that broke on the spaceship and they have a box and in the box is every loose object this, oh, yeah. and they dump yeah. it on the table. That to me is such a perfect analogy for filmmaking because in any film you always have a box and sometimes you just need to look at your box and maybe it's a roll of toilet paper and you go, we can actually wet this and wad it up and it's going to dry and it'll turn into a little bit of like a sort of plaster and it'll plug the hole. We're going to use the toilet paper. So um, being a period piece, it just kind of shifted so, the contents of the box a little bit and forced us to look at things a little differently. Um, and if anything, it just drove the creative process instead of blocking it. So all filmmakers need to be MacGyver yes. is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's the short answer. Yes. Too long, didn't read. Keithy music. Yeah, key theme music and big flames. Done. You, guys <laughs> you figure it Done. out. Would you agree with that, Melissa? Does that uh, correlate into the that was there was there situation? Like, um, you mean that, like you uh, was precise? there things that happened that we needed to? I guess um, one of the leads got injured and not being able to work for a year. I mean that you know once again talking about you know things that happened that we needed to to wait on and that was you know kudos to Cora for keeping you know keeping the actor. Some people would have just said oh let's go get another actor, but you know um, that was amazing. You remember how hard it was to find him? Yeah. You think I really yeah. was in a rush? No, it was him? it was he was so perfect. He perfect. was awesome and uh, and his attitude. He just wanted to work. Um, so it was it was great um when I, I think when it became okay so the whole thing is it's all an illusion and so we had to um you know we did not have the money for um for an airbag you know for them to do a fall you know down the pit and, and land and, and things like that so there was a lot of uh shortcuts that we had to take where there was no like you know of course said uh, before there was no pit it was all in a flat air you know there was all in a flat area so we had to make the illusion like they were falling into a pit because you know we didn't have the budget yeah there, there was I mean, there a cliff was like there was like, yeah so they couldn't fall out so everything was a, yeah. an illusion so working working within the budget was very um was a lot of fun and that's what we always do anyway but um but you know you really just have to be creative and um working with the actors you know uh learning how to fall and and just you know working with the dp to hide the the mats and all that stuff so that they can make it look like they're falling into a pit and things like that so um yeah there wasn't any money for ratchets and you know airbags and things like that so we just had to make it work and that's you know that's part of the fun is just you know making things work with what we have <laughs> let's segue that into the next question which is why and how did you choose the location that you filmed? They say at, but I just can't end a question with a preposition. It's against my, my code. I hear you. Uh, Malibu Creek State Park is known for okay. a, um, a TV show. I used to work there. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. No, sorry. <laughs> um, I was going to say it's known for a TV show that no one who watches war TV has ever heard of. It's a very unknown show called MASH. <laughs> Ma mash, yeah. Yeah. Say? so um it's it's very commonly used as that sort of like far east asia look for obvious reasons um and we filmed mm -hmm. i think a couple miles from where they filmed and i had actually scouted the location originally because someone told me that and i went and checked it out and i checked out a couple different areas that we were going to potentially film at and in the year that passed there was a really bad drought. So like that, like kind of blowing wheat field is actually in Malibu Creek State Park. And what we were standing in was a riverbed that had dried up. 
it was very strange that when I went back to scout it again, the water was gone. The pit was right there. And it was like this sort of sad coincidence that like I was sad to see the water gone, but it gave us the location that we needed. So the real reason that we filmed there was the location fee was high, but not $20,000. We had to pay for a ranger to be there all day. You know, we just had to pay the park entry fee on top of our permit. So it was just a small parking fee. They already have parking lots. They already have bathrooms. That's all there. There was a little park bench at the top of the hill where we set up our sandwiches for for lunch, um, our little picnic lunch. And uh, yep. And um, one of my other jobs, <laughs> it just it, the main reason why was it just worked. We didn't have to really do a lot of set dressing. It was perfect for what we needed. And then the for the flashback sequence, the reason we shot there straight up, it was one of my best friend's backyards and I could pay her with cookie dough. And that's why we filmed there. <laughs> and I will say this okay. because it was sort of nearby. Actually, it wasn't even in Malibu. I think it was in Glendale. There's this kind of tall grass plant that grew in the filming location. And she didn't mow her lawn before we filmed. And that same grass was growing in her yard. So when the little boy is playing, it's a total like little thing. I don't know if anybody notices, but that type of grass that's in the jungle with them is also in his flashback or in his like dream sequence. So I thought that was really cool, but it was just dumb luck. That wasn't, unfortunately that wasn't in our control. It just happened. Yeah. Okay. That's why you're making me be a little nostalgic now because I, I I didn't know that's where you filmed and I I used to do mountain biking up in oh, the wow. Santa Monica Monica Mountains all the time and I, you can't help but go through that part of the one o or is it one o one or the four or five and you know where the the big mountains yeah. are and I fully expect a mash helicopter to you know or two of them to come around the corner. Um, but yeah, that area, the way you describe it, I, I mean, it seems timeless. They keep going through droughts and whatever, fires. and. But a little, little side note, I don't know if you know, when I used to mountain bike, it was kind of cool because uh, the MASH set, they abandoned a lot of their, their stuff there. So you could see like Jeeps or posts. Oh, my gosh. Like MASH 77. So that was, as a, that was, was always kind of We should have gone over there and got some production by. value. Was, was <laughs> wow. That's awesome. And it was a totally discovery. Like, what's this? Like 407. Whoa! Yeah, I thought so. They, I mean, it was obviously uh, dilapidated and degraded, but it was clearly a leftover set wow. pieces um, from the show. But now I'm a fan, so yeah. Yeah. amazing. That was kind of neat. TV show. <laughs> it's getting branded as the old people show now, as far as like that. The <laughs> it had heart. It did. Dang it, it did have heart. Okay, yeah. Let's wrap with this final question. Okay. With everything all said and done. Is there anything you wish you could have done differently? You know what's funny? The first thing to pop into my head was not direct it. What? <laughs> that, I'm going to be totally honest. That was the very first thing. I was actually kind of surprised myself with that thought there. You mean hire another director? Or well, what do you mean exactly by that? Originally, it was supposed to be something that I just oversaw as a producer. I was production designing right. and then somebody else was going to be directing. I think I mentioned this in the other panel that um, Melissa was actually the first person to say to me, why are you looking yeah. for a director? Like you should be directing this. And the fact that she actually is a director and she could have said, why don't you ask me to do it? She didn't. She said, right. you're the right person. Yeah, it's your project. <laughs> and, 
but that to me, like, it makes me, I'm, gonna, I'm getting all like, whatever. Um, that to me makes me value you so much. And I knew that you were in it for the story. You were in it for what was going to do, what was going to be the right thing, not what was going to be the best for Melissa Tracy. It really it hit me. And I, I think I even said at the time, like, what, like, you're crazy. No. And then I was like, or maybe I said, I don't know. And then I went and talked to Nick and Nick didn't even hesitate. He was like, yeah, you totally should direct it. And I was like, what? And he was like, who else is going to direct this thing? He's like, I'm not going to direct it. Like you, you direct it. And, and it wasn't like an, I'm not going to do it. You do it. It was like a, you know, everything about the story. <laughs> like you, this is your story. Like you need to tell this. And it's very strange for me because like, it was my first film. It went into festivals and the response was very overwhelming and it was almost intimidating. When I first met Del Weston the first time, he was like, like he stopped random people next to me and was like, you need to meet Cora. She's an amazing filmmaker. And I was like, I've been making films for five minutes. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, what's a film festival? Del Weston. Del Weston is the founder of the Action on Film Festival in Las Vegas, by the way. Yes, yeah, for, for context. And Melissa actually was the one who um, invited me to yes. submit. Invited me, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you have to submit to, to this. Yeah. Like, you have to submit to that. Um, and I will take one second to stop answering that question to say that my husband just walked in the door. So I want to at least give him two seconds to say hello as one of the many producers and... <laughs> And now he's going to leave. No, right. I'll stay here if you um, want. No, no. I mean, you can. I can socially distance. Well, I mean, this is the last the last question. And I guess we can all answer it. It was a very, the whole thing was a very strange experience for me. And part of me wonders, like, what would have happened if, like, could, was it just the script and the crew that made it so amazing? Like, was it just, like, did what I do matter at all? Was it, was it my influence? Oh was my goodness. Everybody else's thing. And <laughs> so I guess like, I'd be curious to see what would happen if I wasn't there. Would no. that same story have still no. been told? <laughs> no. <laughs> with, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not let, vision for confidence. I'm, let, I'm let me, allow me yeah. to clear that, clear this up. Yeah, clear, please. Allow me to clear this up with an anecdote. The original director slated the original director slated for Apocalypse Now was George Lucas. I, I watched that documentary way back when the Bay City director or something like that. But yeah, there was that handful of uh, directors from the Bay Area and he was, you know, penciled in. I won't say it was, you know, cemented in stone, but just the fact that how even if I'm totally wrong, it's urban legend. Can you imagine what a different film <laughs> Apocalypse Now would be if uh, someone like George Lucas were at the helm of that? You know, I'm going to throw another anecdote that just keeps coming to your mind here is it's a professional kind of magic within the industry. Just it, to me, it, 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 it's a marvel to me where if you look at The Wizard of Oz, for example, I think it went through at least four different directors or what have you. At one point, one of the producers uh, said, I'm just going to helmet. I'm going to direct it. And one of the, I think the executive producer, one of the higher end producers said, no, no, this is not your this is not yours. But just to have a mastery of understanding how films are created, uh, you know, um, and to specific films in general, like this is not your tone. This is not your touch. Isn't going to make this happen. Yeah, no, it, so, yeah, uh, she, uh, no, it. was so passionate about it. And so, and she, <laughs> she actually, you know, went to the meetings. I mean, remember, remember the director we interviewed, <laughs> Cora was so passionate about it, had done all the research, 
was so passionate about it. I was just like, I was kind of worried and actually, and was giving me the freedom that I needed to create magic. And I was like, no, you need to be where you need to be because then the rest of us can do our job because if you're not where you're going to be, there's going to be somebody awful, like a dictator where you're going to be and I won't be able to do my job, you know? So it's like, do be where you need to be so I can do my job. <laughs> but no, she, I mean, Cora was amazing. And the, the, uh, just the emotion and the passion and the and the empathy that came out of the actors was amazing. I mean, being able to, to pull the empathy out of the actors for each other was amazing. And, you know, Cora, you just, you know, you have that gift with people. So it just, it would have been not good if you had not have directed it. But anyway. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I was not looking for that answer. I just, when asked, I've, I've actually never... I don't think I've ever been asked that question directly where I like stopped and thought about it. And what was the original question? I if I could it. do one thing differently making the movie, what would it be? And my answer was not have been the director. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a terrible uh, answer. No, it, but the thing is <laughs> almost because like, it's, it's an just, honest answer. But... It's an honest answer. And it's, it's a, a curiosity of mine. And I guess one thing as far as like, you know, I can get into nitty gritty stuff like I would have made sure my app was set correctly so that we didn't miss sunrise. And I would have made sure that this happened or that happened. Or like we had a monitor could knew we were in focus yeah. um, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And the, at the end of the day, there's a line in catching the light. That's one of my favorite lines. Um, and I'm a co-writer, so I, I can't, I'm not quoting myself. I'm quoting the writing team. It's, um, if you don't mind where you are, then you can't hate the road that got you there. And we went back and forth on the word can't or shouldn't. And I really liked can't because if where you are is a good place, you don't know what little lever you're going to turn by changing something as simple as the color of your shirt on a Tuesday seven years ago, what that's going to do to the rest of your life for all the little things that went wrong and all the little things, the people that didn't show up to meetings and did various other things. Um, it opened the door. I'm sorry, to I, wish I, I wish I showed up. <laughs> I was late to the party. <laughs> oh, okay. but, um, I was but a gleam. You were but a gleam in my heart. Um, <laughs> but, um, you That's know, but that, a sparkle in a ray. <laughs> but like the fact that we messed up, the fact that we, the fact that I messed up the call time and pushed us by the time we got there, the sun was a good, like it was up. We lost hours on day one. And because of that, we got pushed into sunset and Doan's footage got grainy. And to fix it, we needed to lean into this aesthetic when we did the color grading that really, I think if it was graded like a modern film, it wouldn't look as good. I think that grading. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was looking on YouTube at a earlier cut where we hadn't done uh, the color grading, it's from summer 2016. We hadn't done any of the color grading to make it match. And it's like looking at a completely different film because it goes back and forth between Fook and Brendan. And it's like full daylight and it's warm <laughs> colors. And it's like, that was the intention. And then we go back to, to Fook and it's like super dark and grainy. And it was, it's really weird when you add color and it makes a big difference. So it, and it came about because like it, it was a problem that Spacey solved and but Spacey had to solve that problem because I made a mistake, but the mistake meant a creative solution that made it better. So yeah, at the end of the day, unexpected. 
the curiosity and I don't know, maybe it's my own self-doubt of what would have happened if somebody else directed this? Was it the team? Like, could they have done this if I wasn't there? Um, and then anything else, anything else that we changed would have changed something that resulted in something that came out beautiful. So in that regard, I can't hate the road that got me there because it got us here. If nothing else, I'm very, very, very thankful to be where I am now. So um, that's my answer. Spacey, Melissa, did you have an answer? <laughs> what would you, you know, what, um, I actually would not have done anything <laughs> differently. I don't, I'm not thinking, I'm just, you know, I think we, I, no, because it, it was just like magic in a bottle and I, like lightning in a bottle. Uh, it was magic and lightning in a bottle. Magical lightning in a bottle. I mean, it was Magical amazing. There's, I mean, everything, you allowed me to do what I needed to do. You know, you allowed me to train the actors. You allowed me to, to be safe. You allowed me to put the mats down and, and work with the DP to get everything covered. It was, you know, yeah. Can I yeah. get you off to say something very dumb? I hate that it's weird that you were allowed to literally do your job. Like I never thought of it as like, oh, I am bestowing. Oh, you don't know. You don't. You don't know. You don't know. I mean, I have worked. You know, I will work on feature films, and uh, yeah, and there's, and I will, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, but you I were not doing. Was, I mean, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, there was no actors doing drugs on set, and there was no. Yeah, that was really nice, and yeah, <laughs> and nobody really was wanting to hit each other. Yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh well you yeah i'd already seen yeah. you i'd already seen you work and um as a set rigger we spent the whole like one third of the entire training lineup was on safety so i already knew you know we are not god it is not our place to say when someone another human being is going to die so that is when you're working with something like stunts the fact that you were very safety conscious and very professional and knew what you were doing like that like i had no reason right to not trust you to do your job. Like it, it wouldn't have been my place to, to tell you because I'm not a stunt coordinator and I'm not professionally trained in that area. And it's my job as a producer right. to hire somebody who is and to trust them to do it. So um, thank you for doing your job amazingly because you let the story be told in a way that was safe and beautiful. So and are powerful, you, so. so are you guys, <laughs> you guys are too. Thank you so much. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, thank you. Shy away. We just, <laughs> if you could do anything different, what would it have been? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, in terms of the any, all any phases of production. Movie. Tell You mean maybe telling me that you were never going to have anything to do with the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. Before we were dating. There was, yeah, I, that was, when I read the script, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of curse words. So as soon as I read the script, I was like, the script was a little different she asked, in an earlier draft. No, she, yeah, she said um, she needed somebody to work on the score and would I be interested? And I read the script and I was like, it's nope. a hard pass. And I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but I was very oh. like, I was just kind of like, I can't get into like this type of thing. And any project that's come my way where there was like a lot of coarse language, I've always said no. So it's cost me some opportunities, which is fine because I, not that I think sticking to my, standards makes me a better person it just means that it makes you a better you i mean it makes me more, it very much makes me 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 uh <laughs> but having said that um in the editing stage we literally piece together takes where when fook swings or no uh, when fook dodges this punch from 
Brendan, and he says, there's no way out of here. We're trapped. You know, the original line was, there's no effing way out of here. We're trapped. And then in the editing, it's you blink and you miss it, and it's not there anymore. So I think between the writing of the script and the shooting and the editing, Core had sort of come around to <laughs> my take on it, and that's, that's where she's like, you know what? We're going to cut out the F words. I didn't want... We shot it with the F words. We did. We shot it as written, and the reason that I wanted... I, I was this agreeable is not a PSA on it. to say no that curse words are bad. It's just it felt me, gratuitous, and I I didn't I felt like there was enough in the story that I didn't need to shock people by dropping f bombs every five seconds. Like it wasn't about that. It was about the story and about what the characters were saying. So yeah, he did some fancy editing, mm-hmm. and it was Fook who he swings his arm and Brendan ducks, and you uh, cut yeah. right on the duck yeah. to, and got the line. He slams him against the wall. Yeah, Brendan the, slams him against yeah, the wall. The pit. Yeah. But, um, um, I was just going to say, though, it's still rated 18 plus on Amazon Prime. Violet. Uh, I think it's because of the <laughs> brain matter, uh, which apparently I was okay with. I was I was fine with that. No, you were gagging. Inside. I was not okay with that. <laughs> but that, there were some concessions that were made. In Even editing. I made a concession on that one. Core made it. So I think it's about everybody working together to make the best thing possible. And I think what we ended up with, even with these superficial changes or whatever, or even key changes. But really, I, yeah, I would probably change the fact that I rejected it out of hand to begin with. I just didn't know that at a certain point, like a couple years later, I would be actually editing the movie, which was, you You'd know, be with- married to me, you know, I didn't know yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know I'd be married to you. That's really why I married you. I just wanted your editing skills. I don't, Whoa. I honestly don't see myself as that great of an editor, so, it's the ladies. Edit. <laughs> Chicks dig the editor. editor. I'm like a great, you know, puppet, you know. No, 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 no. no. I um, think we, we have a good system. We'll do whoever's directing usually will do the first cut, and then the other one of us will do a pass, and then the whoever's directing will do the final pass. But we always catch something that the other one didn't see. Yeah. Gates of quality control. I love that we can say, like, oh, but this isn't working, you know, how do we fix this? And yeah. usually it involved metaphorical duct tape, you know, <laughs> trying to... Yeah, Spacey you know, used a Twixter. Yeah, the slow, you can slow down footage in post, and because it was all shot at 24 frames per second, none of the stunt footage, none of the anything was shot at a high frame rate for me to work with. It was all 24 frames, and to try and slow down action and make it look like it's not smearing across the screen or stuttery or... It was. It took a lot of manipulating. Now I've learned, like, if you can shoot oh, yeah. at 120 frames per second for yeah. action, you can really. It's you can get some Snydery type stuff going on. And but I understand that the aesthetic of the movie it works to have things to be more like visceral, like full speed or speeding things up, make it faster. You know, lean into the punches. Uh, Melissa was good for that. She sent over. Um, oh yeah. The Jackie Chan. Um, yeah. Uh, how to edit action? Yeah. School. It was like how to yeah, edit. How to how to edit. <laughs> yeah, I was just. I was just worried, you know, because I've seen some of my projects come done, come back, and I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, it was so critical to the success of any action moment in the film was when we had a punch, we we never cut on the punch. We always showed the punch, and then the next cut would be another punch. So subliminally, your your mind is putting together the fact that there's an impact, and then another impact. Even if it's just a few frames. Never cut on it, because it minimizes the impact. So that was... That was a good lesson from uh, Melissa. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I just yeah that's good. That. I was pleased with it when I saw it. <laughs> I would. Thank you. <laughs> and I was nervous. Knowing <laughs> I, I will say there is one one thing I would have done differently. Well, I don't know. Maybe it would have messed it up. I wish I knew more of what I was doing because things like, like I, the technical I, stuff, the te like things like knowing don't shoot the entire thing at 24 frames, make sure that your audio and your camera are timestamp synced so that you can push a button and sync it all up. And some I, poor editor doesn't have to sit there and manually match all the audio that was fun. files. It's fun. Um, things like having a monitor. So you know that your shots are actually in focus. Um, things like having an actual written shot list that you're following so that you don't miss anything so that your editor doesn't have to a script supervisor. Basic thing, yeah. Really. Basic things that now I know. Cause I, <laughs> script I, was busy, <laughs> I was busy holding the bounce and I don't think we, I don't think I even knew what a script supervisor was back oh, then. I, yeah. Script supervisor is your friend. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a new thing that we, cause they can communicate to all departments, any issues they can step in and, they're there to help, yeah. you know, and they're there. And obviously Nick in a way was kind of, he was supervising cause he's the writer. So in a way, yeah, that's true. I think in a way he probably functioned as the best kind of script supervisor because usually when on set, the writer is not there. It's great when they are, cause yeah. then you can make changes. Like boom, on, boom, in boom. the moment, like, Hey, yeah. we're going to, can we, can we move this? Can we switch this yeah, around or yeah. whatever? Like Martin Scorsese is known for, he'll have the writer with him because he'll want to make changes. And it's like, can we do this? Can we do that? And they're like, sure, let's do it. We just write our own stuff now. So it doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> I, I think Nick's great. Oh. I, I, I'm so glad we were able to work with Nick. I forgot like what other things is the team going to do? Nick has been in on almost every single one of our films since, even if it's just as an associate producer doing a pass of the script. Yeah. There isn't, I don't think, a Talk single... Talk about gate of quality control. Like, he's yeah. great for that. He's amazing. If anyone needs a writer, hire him. <laughs> except, when, except when he's working for us, because then we don't want to lose him. I'm just kidding. Hire him. Jazz. <laughs> don't steal Jazz. Don't steal Nick. Don't steal our people. Don't steal my team, man. No, I'm just kidding. Fernando's trying to steal me. I, I know this. <laughs> we have a... For different reasons, though. <laughs> I mean, well, come to Disney. Uh, we're gonna have to <laughs> mosaic garbly gook of that out later. Um, yeah. Okay, well, fantastic. Um, I'm gonna wrap things up. We've gone uh, very, very long yeah, now, sorry. which is great content yeah, for you. Don't, don't apologize. But uh, thank you, everyone, for making time for this. Um, I'll leave you with just two mental notes as you were talking about so many things because filmmaking is a for a director, it's a million decisions a moment, obviously. And um, uh, you may, appre may appreciate this, Melissa. I remember watching a documentary or one of the featurettes for Braveheart. The, that one scene where he, where his wife, is, he just found out, that, or the funeral just finished. Now it's time to avenge. Because, it, again, because there's no, it, it, it's art. So there's no defined or prescribed blueprint that you have to have to follow. Because you're, at, cause every, you're always right if it works. That's what art is. You're right if it works. And you have to define what works is. Where you're saying, Spencer, where you, you have to, uh, you know, everything's got to be in a certain uh, time frame and, you know, stamped and synced and so on and so forth with that one scene where it leads up where he's going to the fort, the fort and he has the, uh, um, the antler, you know, hidden behind his ears. And they, they're ca capturing everything from the hoof, uh, the hoof moments of the horse he's on to the, the look of the side soldier on the corner. I think they started experimenting. They use different cameras, different film rates, um, and to create that that incredible in, uh, moment of anticipation. 
Um, so that was just something that came ahead as you're, you're, because you're right. And I, I'm going to guess that, uh, Mel Gibson was right for that scene. Uh, cause he was absolutely very, very powerful. And, um, uh, yes. And I, I thought I'd introduce another movie to you, uh, Spencer called Scarface. So th that, that has language just so you know, ahead of time. Running through that angel, so. Okay. Fantastic. So great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Please hope you will be able to join us in other panels to contribute and, and uh, pick brains of other filmmakers and network and just, just uh, do awesome stuff over here at NovaFest. Thank you so much, everybody. Please take care. And, Thank you for um, having yeah, us. Well, we're only Tuesday in right at this point, so we have another three days of great screenings, another two blocks going Ooh, on right now. Sounds good. Yay. Awesome. We'll, be, we'll be back. We'll check it awesome. out. Thank, Thank you so much. Okay, nice meeting Talk Melissa to and talking to you. Bye-bye. And there you have it. I hope that insight was useful to fellow filmmakers out there. If you have additional questions not covered in our panels, feel free to reach out on our social media. Again, our film Names on the Wall is on Facebook under Names on the Wall. And you can always email us at... Here's Spacey to tell you. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Filmmaking Actually with Cora Linda, Space Dream Productions podcast. Subscribe to us on any or all the podcast platforms, but we especially recommend our sponsor, Anchor. If you like what you hear, leave us five-star ratings and positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps more listeners like you discover the show. But the best thing you can do if you really like the show is tell a friend. Want to leave a comment or ask a question? Email at filmmakingactually at gmail.com. This is Spacey speaking. I didn't know, I didn't know I'd be married to you. That's really why I married you. I just wanted your editing skills. Whoa. And we'll see you next time. Bye.